This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and in a week where the Orange community began to emerge from the COVID cupboard, you've tuned in to the Orange Podcast. Coming up this week, how a local man went from picking fruit in an orchard to becoming a deputy mayor. And how Orange's latest piece of public art, a mural in Anson Street, looks very different depending on how fast you walk by and how much light there is. With my artwork, what I want to try to do is is cause people to have an experience or to to actually experience the same sort of things I do when I see colour. And I just hope that as they're walking along, it does sort of bring a little bit of joy just to see the colour there because I think people do react to colour positively. Artist Liz Shreve coming up later. But first, the latest local council election last December broke new ground for the community on a number of different levels. Traditionally, most of the councillors get re-elected with one or two new faces. This time, because many previous councillors simply weren't standing for election, there were eight new council members. Eight of the twelve. But who are they? Where do they come from and what are their priorities? In the coming weeks, that's the challenge for the Orange podcast we'll be taking on. As well as the stories of the week, the plan is to sit down with the new faces to see what they bring to this new job. First up, who is Deputy Mayor Gerald Power? Uh, Alan, Gerald Power is uh, a Juru boy from North Queensland, um, the Whitsunday Shire, um, Bowen area, so saltwater boy. And um, also my other part of my heritage, also Kanaka, the South Sea Islanders, um, that were uh, in parts black burdened out here in the 17, uh, sorry, 18, 1860s, up to 1870s. And so being a part of that whole journey um, and living around Bowen for most of my life, early years, um, and then arriving in Orange um, uh, in the 70s, working for uh, a, um, Pasco's and the Cliffy Armstrong out here at Nashdale, and really loving the place, and then finally settling here in 81 and becoming part of this community for 30, going on 39 years now. Your background is Indigenous. There's all sorts of firsts with this new council. One of us is, is our first Indigenous elected person. Is it surprising? We've had, we've had some celebrations last year, 175 years and almost 100 years as a council. Um, is it surprising for you that we've never had an Indigenous man elected to council? It is a surprise, but at the same time, as I've said to uh, the Aboriginal people, it's about putting yourself out there. And sometimes it can be a challenge for First Nation people. Um, but uh, to be truthful, I I run in 2004, 2008, uh, skipped, the, skipped the year 2012, then went on to 2017. By that time, I knew I had had a voter base and was quietly confident 2001 would be the year that we would get a First Nation person on council. You've done it a few times now. Um, you can see sometimes how some people might suggest join a, a candidate, be a number two for a famous person who's always get elected. You didn't do that. Why not? Now, well, I'd always been encouraged to go under the line. Um, and then 2017, I was speaking to a few people and they said, listen, run number two, run number two with me, you'll get on. And I actually commented with that, no disrespect to the individuals that approached me. I said, why shouldn't I go number one? And their comments, and no disrespect to them, um, they said, you'll never do it. 
you'll need to be number two. You can't do it. So after, uh, I think it was 83 candidates in 2017 uh, and being the last one to be knocked off, um, uh, I think coming third in position was not bad for uh, uh, for a person in, within such a large field to actually get to that point. Having a good platform and having that profile is, is, is an advantage, continuously putting yourself out there in the front line. When I was getting ready for this interview, I was thinking, okay, let's talk about the Indigenous aspect of who you are. Then I thought, well, you know, if if we're not uh, interviewing people in on Orange City Council who say from Italian heritage, that's that's now normal. We had a few Italians over the years. Maybe the first Italian to stand for council was a was a was a breakthrough moment. Would you like to get to the point where Indigenous is not? unusual, it's where it's normal and part of Estonian society? I do want to make that platform here in the local Orange local Aboriginal uh, local, uh, um, Orange local uh, LGA, local government area um, but I think across New South Wales in 2021 there's been diverse number of Indigenous people elected on council I think it was four in uh, Dubbo um, I know there was four in Brewarana and I, I know these personally that actually said they were running. So I think eventually for Orange, if we want to just talk about the Orange local government area, that this will be a norm. I will lead the ticket. I do want young people to run with me because I am getting old. <laughs> and uh, I would love to pass it baton on to a person that is very balanced, looking at the wider community. It can't be just one one aspect of the community that desires and passion to get some things out, some outcomes, but really looking at the multicultural aspect of it. We have a high population of Indian people here too. So when we look at the fabric of what Orange is, that is what we need to represent when we come, we are elected on council, but then when we sit at that, that table uh, in the chamber. Let's talk some more of, of where you're from across the, the spectrum of the new council. There's all people from all sorts of working backgrounds. Tell me what pays the bill at your house. Yeah, well, uh, uh, since 2016, I've uh, established uh, my business, uh, Indigenous Cultural Adventures, uh, Bush Tucker Food, and also Cultural Tours. Prior to that, for 16 years, I was a senior public servant for the New South Wales government. It was a shock to so many people even this morning when they said, you were a public servant? I said, yes, I was a senior public servant for the New South Wales government, covering 73 percent of the state, over 28 communities uh, that people say are in control, but I say are served. So when I had that sort of aspects of it and then setting up this business was really something I'd learned um, in the in the areas and the nations that are covered across Western New South Wales, that there was the the actual stories weren't shared. So when I started uh, the Indigenous Cultural Adventures up in 2016, I needed a catch cry. And one of the things that kept them reverting through me myself as a person that have been across this amazing state and nation of Australia was we need to share our journey. And that journey is food, our cultural story, our sacred sites, all of these things to educate and be a, be a platform. You know, we've got NADOC as a platform. It's beautiful. But we, within each of these individual communities and on the nation that we stand, need to share these stories um, and ad-lib them to, to celebrate who we are as First Nation people. So if I'm a tourist and I want to come to Orange and, and experience some Indigenous culture, what will you do? What will you do for me? Well, uh, we would first of all uh, start off with amazing bush tucker uh, catering journey, flavours that some people, they absolutely uh, gobsmack when we walk up to a tree and they, I said, can you just take one leaf off, have a try of it, what do you taste in there? 
they literally are so astounded by the flavours and they reflect on on mint, they reflect on oh, all these different, uh, it's uh, spicy pepperiness and I tell them the stories about these actual plants and how we've consumed them and which I call within my business the 50,000-year-old cuisine but with a Western twist. Um, so ad-living all of the introduced food here from Italy, from Asia and right across the you know European board to that here and establishing these amazing recipes. So, uh, yeah, when we start there and then we will go on country um, to urinize grave with an amazing story when we look at about the highway, which is named after the very gentleman that actually wrote um, wrote about you and I and the uh, ad-libbing writings of the actual uh, First Nation people about their their connection with Indigenous people and help them explore this amazing, um, diverse, harsh country where they didn't realise when the first settlers, um, but the Aboriginal walked and talked and lived and thrived on this place. So then we'll go to other sacred sites around with carved trees and um and uh, and share how people how we actually moved and lived around this area up onto Mount Canopolis then and sharing the sacred sites up around there. So that's what they'll get and um it goes for about four, four and a half hours. Sometimes people get really talkative and I suppose I'm talking to two, so they will end up with five hours, but they walk away with a thrill in their hearts and also an aspect of we've learned a lot about First Nation people. There's been some coverage in the local newspaper this week about a, a new venture you're doing out at the Huntley Berry Farm. People go out there and pick um, berries and strawberries at the right time of year. What, what, what's on offer out there now? Yeah, so we've got amazing opportunity to act to share, and I wanted to do something like this for a long time. And working with the Huntley Berry Farm and having you know having the opportunity to, to be a proprietor in the cafe, I always I'd been mentioned to them we need to do something that is First Nation food here, I said you will attract a whole new market to take it to the next level. It will also attract new people to Orange because when you look across the region, go and find a farm with that capacity. So we will have probably 15, 16 plants out there at this point of time, some river mint, um, salt bushes, uh, finger limes to uh, lemon myrtles, so many aspects of food that we will share tomorrow on on Saturday, um, aspects of that, and we'll teach them how to actually put together a nice little simple menu that they themselves can go home. And I hope that one day my dream is that they will actually grow these Warrigal greens in the backyard like they grow the spinaches and everything else, uh, grow that there. So when they, so when they come home for dinner, what are we having to do? We're having a Warrigal green salad. How that? <laughs> You're now starting a journey on Orange City Council as part of a, a team of 12 to try and make all sorts of tough decisions and, and chart a course. Do you have priorities that you'd like to achieve on council for the next couple of years? Yeah, I do have a couple of priorities. And those priorities are reflective of my speaking, talking, walking, and listen, listening to the community. Uh, one of the things as a, as a First Nation person, having that priority is definitely the heritage protection. I use that as a very broad spectrum of what it means. And it can mean sacred sites. It can mean tracks. It can mean how do we protect these aspects of, of these sites within, uh, Orange and, and the, and the region. Uh, the other sizes definitely have always been around early, uh, uh early childless stuff. So supporting the youngs and mums and bubs was something that I really wanted to do. And I spoke to a couple of the candidates um, after speaking to a few mums and bubs and families, and they said they wanted a a, a centre during our winter period where we can't get out the door, 
but having something where they can roll um, a, 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 a pram in or coming to an environment where the children are safe, the mums can catch up, have a massive big yarn up or, or, or a good chat and just um, just relax in, a, in a, an environment where there's cafe, a small cafe there to provide food and beverages for like. So having that um, and definitely probably um, the social housing side of it. I suppose this is reflective of my public servant position because one of my portfolios was social housing. How does this look for the future? And I think some of the stuff we're already gathering from some of the consultation, um, I'm looking forward as the councillor to to really look at this aspect of it and how Orange has grown in the in the just under forty years that I've been here from farm country to now driving out and there there's these these roadways where I used to grow I used to pick fruit and I'm thinking, wow. But that's the that's the era that we're living in. So there are just three of some of the main things we're definitely looking at. And um some of the pointy end ones is around the around the rates. Um how does this look? Uh um, I'm, I'm as a rate payer, I'm thinking, uh, and then uh, moving around the country and just out of curiosity, how much do you pay? What? Really? <laughs> I wish I lived here, but I love Orange too much. So it's just unpacking that and providing that information back to our community on why the cost is at this level and what we can do to support these amazing tax uh, 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 rate payers. Deputy Mayor Gerald Powell, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much, Alan. Orange's new Deputy Mayor, Gerald Power. And we hope to hear more about other new faces on Orange City Council in the weeks to come. For decades, the Orange community has enjoyed a brilliant collection of public art, mostly sculpture, scattered around the city's... For decades, the Orange community has enjoyed a brilliant collection of public art, mostly sculpture, scattered around the city's parks and public gardens. But there's been a great reaction in recent months to a growing collection of murals. There are splashes of geometric colour across McNamara Street. Highly detailed natural depictions of birds and insects in Anson Street. And surprising doors and windows where doors and windows shouldn't be. The scaffolding has now come down on the latest mural, revitalising a fairly drab supermarket wall in Anson Street with brightly coloured brick columns like those old-fashioned portrait paintings whose eyes seem to follow you around the room. This mural seems to change colour as you walk by. For Marrickville artist Liz Shreve, it's the joy of experiencing colour that's behind her work. With my artwork, what I want to try to do is is cause people to have an experience or to to actually experience the same sort of things I do when I see colour. And I just hope that as they're walking along, it does sort of bring a little bit of joy just to see the colour there because I think people do react to colour positively and with depending on the time of day sometimes there will be hardly any colour there and people won't notice it but on other times there'll be a real strong flash of colour and I think those sort of things when it catches people's eye is just something different so it's something that maybe they'll they'll sort of notice around them they'll notice nature around them maybe a little bit more because of those colours Unlike some images this is going to change as you walk along the road Yes, yes it should, the colours will flicker as you walk past or that's what I'm hoping um, depending on how fast you go that, that sort of flickering just in the corner of your eye is going to just be an experience for, for the people hmm. 
as well as your artistic background, there's a scientific background there, isn't there? Yes. How does that uh, come into your work? Um, well, I think it's one of the most important things about science and a scientific approach is observation. And I think this underlies all of the work that I do. It's just actually noticing things. And um, what I'm trying to do is to not, not exactly get people to notice things because that sounds like I'm forcing my ideas on people, but um, just, just to, to see so that people will stop and look and just experience the, the joys of light and colour. The work's called Interrupted Spectrum. What's that about for you? Um, what it's about for me is the way that um, the spe- a spectrum is just sort of a, a series of colours that are usually just uh, primaries. But what this one has is every now and then there's an, um, a colour that is not a primary, not a secondary, it's, it's a, a tertiary, it's a mixture of the two. And it's almost like, I don't know if any of you have ever have had boxes of Derwent coloured pencils and tried to sort them in order. And there's always ones that don't quite fit. And those ones that don't fit are the tertiaries. And so this is like having a a sequence of pencils that you've put into order and every now and then there's one that just doesn't fit. And it also, um, there's also the columns that separate the bunches of the the brick columns as well. So they break up the spectrum too. But if you look at it along the top of the um, columns at a particular time of day, you'll see the full spectrum all the way along. This week, as it's all unfolded, the guys from Murray's paintings have been painting the wall, and people aren't noticing already. Have you had any reactions? Yes, I've had. Um, it's mostly along the lines of, "Oh, that really brightens up the street," which is lovely. So that's nice to, to hear that because it was quite a, a dignified colour before, I suppose you might call, um, but now it's a lot brighter. Part of the reason for the murals around Orange is to encourage pedestrians to come back to the inner city and to spend more time here. Um, do you think that works? Is it, is it making it more attractive or is it something else as well? well I think it does make more attractive. I've, I've enjoyed looking at the murals that are around and seeing all the different approaches to, to art that is there. So, yeah, I, I think it does make, people, make the area much more attractive to people. As far as pedestrians go, yeah, I suppose so, again. You know, a lot of the works are seen better slowly. Um, some things, like I think mine, will work quite well with people walking, uh, driving past as well. So maybe a little bit faster. <laughs> well, won't necessarily bring people into the city, but it will make people maybe appreciate some of the buildings more. artist Lee Shreve. And that's the show for this week. Remember you can download this program anytime from the Orange City Council website or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you won't miss a thing. Until next week, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.